Hey everyone, I'm Brenda and I'm Julia and you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Today, we have on with us Sloane Elizabeth. Sloane is a holistic wellness coach specializing in helping women release rules, restrictions, and diets so that they can find lasting food freedom. She uses a combination of nutritional science and spiritual healing, two of my favorite things, to help her clients and her audience. We're so excited to talk to her. Hey, Sloane. Hi, Julia. Hi, Brenda. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, we are so excited. This is going to be really fun because food and body is a topic that we talk about a lot on this show. Obviously, it's a super palpable topic for women in their 20s. We haven't really dived too much into food freedom and nutritional science. So I think this is going to be different and fun. Amazing. Cool. I'm so excited. And I love that you resonate with the nutritional side and the spirituality side because Mm -hmm. that's really what makes this different than the classic intuitive eating that you probably see Mm -hmm. a lot of on social media, etc. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to get into all of that. But before we do that, introduce yourself, Sloan. Tell us a little bit about you, who you are, where you're from and how old you are. Okay, cool. So yes, my name is Sloan and I, I mean, you introed me perfectly, Julia. Um, so I created my own brand and company to essentially help women eat with love and intuition. That also includes moving your body with love and intuition and then living with love and intuition. So a lot of people come to me for food freedom and they end up walking away with life freedom. And I love diving deep with my clients into the spirituality and the energy. And we'll have sessions where we don't talk about food at all because as I like to say, it's really never about the food. It's about so many deeper things. So I do that. I I wrote a book um, and I hope to write more books in the future. And I'm a yoga teacher, speaker, podcaster. So kind of do all the things. And right now I live in Miami, but I'm from Los Angeles. So I moved here recently. I'm always just in the warm weather, as you can tell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and let's see, what else? I'm 23 years old and I have a brother and parents who I love and I'm excited to see them for the holidays. I love that. Wow. Yeah, that really, everything that you just shared really, really holds so, it just resonated with me. And the reason for that, that I know we're going to get into later is I think a lot of times people have this skewed perception of what intuitive eating is or which direction it can go. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're definitely going to jump into all that. But I love that you have found a way to not only teach people about what is actually going on. Um, and I love that you said it's not about the food. I think we get that so misconstrued. I have my own story with all these things. And for so long, I think I even know people who have struggled with disordered eating habits and say, you know, I'm addicted to food. I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not it. So that means so much for for your whole approach. So why yeah, don't we- and I can't wait to get into the spiritual part. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. Like 
she combines all the best things, you guys. I know. Um, so would you kindly tell us about your story? So how did you actually become a holistic wellness coach? And what made you choose to focus on food freedom and life freedom? Yeah, so I did start just with like kind of general wellness coaching. And I, let's see, way back when I was in high school, I was always really active and I ate whatever, like had no issues with food or my body. And then I went through puberty pretty late. And so all of a sudden my body started changing and I was gaining weight and just like, you know, like getting hips and getting boobs and everybody else had already done that. And so I thought that I had done that too, but I hadn't. And so I started becoming really insecure about my body more when I was in like my junior year of high school, when usually it happens a lot earlier for people or, you know, it can, I feel like that's the majority of what happens. And so I started looking at food and became really scared of food and just created all of these different rules for myself. But I've always been like a math and science kind of girl. And so I was really interested in like the science of it. And I started drinking matcha because it had, you know, the like, I forget what the actual component is. It's like ECGC or something. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it says like, it'll burn calories fast. And I was like, that's a really cool, cool, like molecule. Like I was interested in the molecule, right? But it was biting me in the butt because it was this obsession. And so I was grappling with loving to move and be active. Like I've always been in performing arts and cheerleading and dance. So like I was doing that, but I also had a baking business and it was like really decadent stuff. And I started getting really scared of dessert, even though though that was like a passion of mine and what I loved. And then when I went to college, I definitely gained weight freshman year, but I was trying to just kind of like go with the flow. And I was recognizing that my eating habits were not serving me. And so I was really trying my best to kind of release this control. And then I started my food Instagram, which used to be called Kale and Cravings. And it was just like general like food stuff. And it was really fun. And I was just kind of using Using that interest in nutrition to feel empowered to just learn more about nutrition, like what was actually true mm-hmm. aside from the diet, fats, and culture, because I knew that that was not true. So I was like, okay, what is true? So I started my Instagram, and I mean, I've been with it ever since, but now it is my personal brand. So I changed it to Sloan Elizabeth, and it was just general health and wellness. And then when I graduated, I knew that I wanted to do this full time and that it was my passion and this was going to be my business. And I wasn't sure though the exact like niche I wanted to fulfill because I am interested in everything health and wellness. So that's why again, it's about like life freedom and not just the food. So anyway, that's how I came to food freedom because it was something that I felt so called to share. It was something that I knew a lot about personally and just through like coaching people. And so that's kind of what I landed on. And I don't even think that it'll be that forever. You know, like Mm -hmm. I am trying to remember that this is a long game. Like I plan on running this business for 50 years to come. And so we'll see what happens later down the road. But that's where it is right now. 
Yeah. I love that. I It's interesting to bring up like the puberty part of it because I feel like when, no one tells you that. Like no one no. tells you. Like I like you learn, you know that like you're going to get this thing called your period and like you're going to like bleed every month and like then you're a woman and like yeah. nobody really tells you like your body's going to change. Like your body's going to look different. You're going to feel different. You might gain weight. You're like, I remember when I first started going through puberty, it's it's such a vivid memory in my head that I was starting to get hips. And I remember trying to like push my hips, Mm. like looking in the mirror in my bathroom, crying, trying to like push my hips back into my body because I didn't like them. So I was like, this is weird and like no one ever talks about that when you're like 12 13 whatever age you're at and it's just so interesting to me I feel like I heard that you're like quote your body's gonna change but that seemed scary because there was no further explanation it was like you're gonna get hair (laughs) you're like okay that's it that's That's it. it No, totally. So true. Oh my goodness. There's and no I, further explanation. We need to no. change that. We should, yeah. That's what we're doing here, right? <laughs> we right? need to put out I like a curriculum. To the education system. Yeah, we should do that. You're right. There's a lot about the education. About puberty. <laughs> but back to, the, back to the food back part. Back to the topic. Yes. One thing that really stood out to me about what you said is that you were very comfortable with the idea that your model might change might evolve over time as you do and as your belief shift. Um, And Julie and I talk about that all the time because I think sometimes, especially when you have a platform or you have a belief where you're like sharing things publicly, um, I know my thoughts about food and body and exercise and all these things have evolved maybe in depth three or four times over the past like two years, (laughs) Um, like from one extreme to the next, to this balanced place, to another place. So I think it's so beautiful that you're able to see that right now. And you're like, you know what, this is probably going to evolve and that's, that's okay. And I also, so love that you focus on life freedom because what I tell Julia all the time is I'm like holy crap like this whole thing started for me with with trying to figure out what the heck was going on I thought I just wanted to lose weight and that was it but there was so much more and now that digging deep and internal work that I did has translated to every aspect of my life yes relationship like all these things and now are exactly like our conversations have shifted so this so yeah cool. it literally applies to everything because everything is just energy and so food is energy we are energy words are energy, relationships, other people are energy, career is energy. And so the way that you relate to food will mirror how you relate to other things in life as well. Yeah. Yeah. You're speaking Julia's language right now. (laughs) Literally my language. I want to get a lot into that. But first I want to ask about the nutritional science part of it. So how did you use that piece with your clients and what role does that play in your practice? Totally. So a lot of people think that when you eat intuitively, you're going to just eat a bunch of junk food and you're going to eat pizza and french fries and ice cream all day because that's what you want. But that's what you want right now and that's what you're craving right now because that's what you're not giving yourself. And as soon as you give it to yourself, you're not going to want it as much. And The truth is that we have to eat for the physical, the mental, and the spiritual body. And when you eat with love and intuition for the physical body, the physical body likes fruits and vegetables and proteins and carbs and fats. And it also likes sugar from time to time. And so nutrition is really much simpler than we've made it out to be. And so I use that to basically like ground my clients in the truth. Because when you're just focusing on the spiritual and the mental, it can get a little 
little bit too like fluffy and theoretical. And so we need to, a lot of what I do is help people feel safe again, safe with food, safe in their body and science and facts. And you know, that feels grounding and that feels safe. So it's important to still like get grounded and okay, this is how carbs behave and this is how proteins behave and this is how fats behave and this is what they do in the body. And this is the truth about vitamins and the water soluble ones and the fat soluble ones and the minerals, etc. And so it's really about like telling the truth about nutrition in a really simple way so that your body is still nourished appropriately because your physical vessel is the one that you get in this lifetime. And so although the way that you relate to food and the mental side and the spiritual side is extremely important, when you do have food freedom, that does not mean that you're ditching your physical body. And that doesn't mean that you can't have aesthetic goals either. Yeah. Ooh, now you're speaking my language. <laughs> you might have literally been like saying like these things like all the past couple of weeks we've been having this conversation over and over. So Brenna, he'll go ahead, dive into that. Yeah, we have. And and honestly, Son, it's because I think it goes back to that whole beliefs thing and sharing things on a platform. Even here, I'm like, Julia, I don't really know how to talk about this even with our audience because I'm still like developing these thoughts myself. But I love that you mentioned that piece about being able to still have aestheticals and not meaning that you have to like, like let go of caring for your body or anything like that. Because I remember I had that fear jumping in. I was like, okay, so I'm going to gain X amount of weight over the next few months. And then it's going to stay like that. And I'll never be able to focus on exercise. Like you feel like you have to choose one or the other. And in order to accept and respect your body, that that, that's where it ends. And I love that you share and, and work with your clients to tell them the truth, right? Not telling them, you know, go buy this wrap for your body. (laughs) Um, Like, here's the truth. Here are some facts. And and here's how you can use your heart knowledge and head knowledge and all that stuff together to to get to wherever you want to be. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. you summed it perfectly. Oh, (laughs) it's just, I think it's like that guilt component that Julia and I talk about a lot, like feeling guilt for one way or another, whether you align with this group of beliefs or this group. And um, so I really love that that's something that you focus on. So we touched on the nutritional science piece. How do you incorporate the spiritual healing? Yes. So spirituality is something that I really believe everybody can relate to. It has nothing to do with religion, but we are all souls and human bodies. And so, you know, relating to and activating your spirit is something that I really believe is um, approachable for everyone. You just have to maybe talk about it in a different way to reach different people. So the problem that I have with conventional, quote, intuitive eating is that a lot of, and I won't say every, but a lot of those nutritionists and dietitians say that your intuition tells you what you're craving. So you should eat what you're craving and then stop when you're full. And that's about all they say about intuition. And your intuition is like a deeply spiritual divine part of you and it's ignored. And so I never thought about that with like the connection between the two. Oh my God, keep going. Yes. It's like, that's why I teach people how to eat with love and intuition. Because sometimes if you're saying, oh, I'm going to go on an intuitive eating journey, you can either be an intuitive eater or not be an intuitive eater. And then you feel like you're failing or falling off track. But when you're 
eating with love and intuition, the main verb is eating, and you can't fail at eating. Mm -hmm. Perhaps sometimes your intention (laughs) about love and intuition might be a little bit off, but you're never failing when you're in this realm. So that's really important. But essentially, I help my clients actually understand like what intuition is on a deep soul, spiritual, divine level so that that can help to inform them about what their body is asking for, what it actually means, what they want, and that also percolates into all other areas of life. So when you know how to use your intuition in general, yeah, you can use it for food, but you can also use it for any other decision. Yeah. I really never thought about the connection between the two. And you hear this term like intuitive eating so much. It's like one of those mainstream terms now. And really the question is like, what is intuition? And like, how do we use it? How do we know it? So for Mm -hmm. someone that like really has never dived into and me and Brenna just did a whole episode on intuition like a couple of weeks ago. Okay, perfect. For someone who has never, you know, really asked themselves like the questions about like their intuition, has never really taken the time to like recognize what intuition feels like, what would be, what do you think is like the starting place for someone who kind of starts to want to be aware of intuition and how to trust it? Um, yeah. Like. Totally. So first know that everyone has an intuition. There are some people that are more sensitive to their intuition or more tapped in. And I think that, you know, I've talked to like different healers about this and some people think that you can kind of like train and develop. And I think everyone can to a certain level, but not everyone is going to be like a psychic medium or a channeler. So mm-hmm. everybody does have an intuition though. And it's a gut feeling as, you know, this simplest way to put it, it's a gut feeling. And so you can start by looking at the proof that you already have that you know your intuition and you've seen it before. So think about a time where you just kind of had a feeling. There wasn't particularly a reason why, but you just kind of knew that that was the right decision or that you should go that place or that you should call that person. And then it ended up working in like a really miraculous, beautiful way. That was intuitive and divine guidance. And so you're intuition is kind of a part of you that the divine can channel through and can kind of like work with. So it's almost like a bridge also between like the divine realm and this like human realm. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like the first way to understand it. And like what you said, Julia, it's becoming aware that it exists and aware of when it's acting so that then you can say, oh, that that was intuitive. Yes, absolutely. And, And actually making that connection. And I think that's a big probably thing that people run into is I don't think like our like the general population takes time to like reflect or observe like actions or thoughts um at least to the extent that you're describing which is why they might not make that connection between which is why they need a coach like (laughs) (laughs) which is why they need you (laughs) yeah so no that that was so well put I'm like I'm floored by how eloquently you put all these things because you really like also of course you say it beautifully but you also like make it in a say things in a very comprehensive like digestible yeah yeah someone that might you know Brenda and I are pretty spiritual but for someone that might not be sometimes you hear these things and you're like I don't know how to do that I don't know how to trust myself like I don't know how to listen to myself like because we're so busy distracting and doing whatever it is but I think that's really digestible 
Yeah. Thank you for saying that. It's so funny that you say that because there was just um, the lunar eclipse Mm -hmm. and I love doing a lot of like moon journaling and I use Spirit Daughters workbooks. Mm -hmm. And so there was a section in this past moon journal about like your north node and your south node, which basically are in your birth chart if you're into astrology and it kind of helps you to understand like what your life purpose is in a really general way. Yeah. And so my like little synopsis that she gave in the workbook said that I'm someone that understands energy and consciousness on a deeper level than most people. But instead of like retreating and being in my own world with this like woo-woo magic, one of my purposes is to bring it to more people in a way that's easily understandable. And I literally just read that. Isn't that amazing how that works? I mean, it doesn't surprise me though, because like we are clearly the three of us like so on the same wavelength Mm -hmm. that like the synchronicities don't surprise me anymore but they still are like miraculous and I acknowledge and I'm so grateful for them but I'm not like shocked anymore right that's so true it was like the perfect way to put it because it's like when you do believe that and you know it you know that you know what you put out is what you get back but but every time it still is a little like validation you're like oh yes like it's working (laughs) (laughs) totally but um I'm just, I'm so, I'm, I'm so glad we're talking about this because again, like I said, we've talked about food and body so much, but we haven't really dived into intuitive eating. And like, I definitely had misconceptions about it. Now I understand the way that you practice it with your clients, which I absolutely love, but I think there are kind of like misconceptions about it. So like, if you could just like break it down for someone who doesn't know, like, what are some of the misconceptions that you often see? How is this different from like meal plan dieting or like, yes, like that? Okay. Yes. So, so many misconceptions. Um, so one, I think like the main one is that you're going to gain weight if you eat intuitively. And that's absolutely not true. I have clients who it's okay. It's really about like getting back to your body's happy place. Mm -hmm. And so for some people that will be gaining weight, for some that will be losing. But it's not about letting yourself go. That's another misconception that you're going to feel more out of control. Mm -hmm. And the truth, I have an entire lesson on this in my program, the Food Freedom Collective, but the lesson is called the control paradox because so many people who struggle with disordered eating habits want control and that's why they control their food because they want control. But think about a time when you were really trying to control a situation, whether it was food or whether it was like a trip or social plan, something, and you were trying to, you know, regulate the dinner reservation and the transportation and who's coming and the outfits and whatever it was. And as you're grappling for more control, you're in this lack mindset that there's not enough control. And so you're looking for more and you think, okay, if I let go and I surrender, then I'll be out of control. When the truth is, as you're trying to control everything, that's when you feel the most out of control. Mm. And when you can release the things that you actually don't need to control and the things that you can't control and you allow the universe to co-create with you, that's when everything actually feels like the most peaceful and you'll feel the most control. It's so true. It's like those nights where you like when you go out on like New Year's Eve and you like think and want it to be like yes. the best night ever. And New Year's Eve is never good. Never. Like, everyone's trying to control everything. But then the random night that you like go out on a Wednesday on a whim and like pre-COVID, obviously everybody. Yes. <laughs> Uh, like those end up being like the most fun nights because you're mm-hmm. not like trying to micromanage the situation. Yeah, it's put too much pressure on it. Yeah, I think that's that's such a big key for sure. And something, okay, I, I want to make sure I word this correctly because in the, okay, 
come on, get this together. Okay. So in that aspect of like gentle nutrition in terms of that being like a principle of intuitive eating, you mentioned the reason why I think your nutritional science component is so key is because I do think there are some people that exist or many people who exist in this like all or nothing slash Mm -hmm. extremist type of what they once thought was health or what they once thought was good for their body. So there are some people, and I 100% would say I I fell into that category who only knew extreme ways of quote unquote Mm -hmm. taking care of their body. So when it came to trying to find this like happy medium, it was confusing because I didn't really have any of the knowledge. So I guess that's why the nutritional science component is key. But how would you say you, what would you say to someone? This is relevant. What would you say to someone who is feeling really, really great in their relationship with food and their body and is looking to have some aesthetic goals, but doesn't know where to begin um, and is afraid of maybe, even if they're feeling super secure and everything is afraid of like maybe triggering old thoughts or old um, habits and feeling more than anything guilt for once being in a place where they said they would never, I don't want to say try to control their body, but you know, mm-hmm. to chase after goals that in that set in that way. Okay. So two things. One, it's about redefining what healthy is to you mm-hmm. because so many people just go to the first level. Oh, healthy is like salads and mm-hmm. lean protein, but what's healthy for your mental health and what's healthy for your spiritual health. So that's why it's about eating with love and intuition for the physical as well as the mental and the spiritual. And so that's where, yes, it's gentle nutrition. And that's where you want to be, of course, still like eating fruits and vegetables. But when you're wanting a brownie and that will just like bring you joy because duh, then that is absolutely healthy. Like it is healthy for me to have dessert on most nights. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. She is speaking yes. my language so much. It's unbelievable. Because like also, and I'll like, I want you to finish that thought song, but like, I don't know, this could be totally wrong, but I feel like sh- the stress about it's worse for the you. food is worse. Like the stress about the brownie is worse than the brownie for your body. A hundred percent. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, there is this other idea about like alchemizing energy and that like when you bless food or you put an intention into it, that can kind of dictate how it acts in your body. And so, yeah, that's kind of like a whole separate thing. Um, but I really love that so much. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's a cool thought. But Brenda, about having the aesthetic goals, I think that it's always about lack versus abundance. And that's like a really big principle in manifestation. And when you are trying to do something aesthetic, a lot of times people are in a lack mindset, like lose weight or burn off calories. Those are, it's like losing, it's getting rid of. It's like, that's what I don't want. I don't want weight and I don't want these calories. And you're focusing on what you don't want and what you focus on will grow and where you put your focus and attention, that's where energy flows to. So when you are having these like fitness goals or health goals, think about what you are adding or what you'll be gaining. So it's way more empowering to say, I want to gain strength. Like, cool. Yeah. Let's like build your muscles. Let's like quote tone up, but we're not saying tone up. We're saying I want to build my strength or I want to add definition even is more empowering or I want to feel more vitality and energy and flexibility in my body. Like that is more empowering than any of the other conventional ways that we speak about bodies. Totally. Yeah. That, oh, that's so powerful. And it's really, I, I, I think what you said about 
like how you mentioned, it's not actually about the food. Like I think that goes about so many things. It's not actually about exercise. It's, it's, it's about how you feel about each of those things. And I think that you do feel the difference. Like what something I like to ask myself is, is this adding to my life or is it taking stuff away from my yes. life? And I think the thing that can be confusing in this situation is there are some habits, I think, that do, right? Like let's say somebody used to run. I'll just use myself as an example because this is accurate. Like I used to run a lot and it was it for a very different reason. I felt it. I would feel stressed. I would feel extremely anxious and overwhelmed if I didn't go for a run. I would be terrified that I would gain weight if I didn't go for a run. And it's so interesting because now I'm running again. And I used to be afraid of that because I'm like, oh shoot, like what if I fall back in old habits? What if I, you know, get obsessed with running a certain mi- amount of miles a day because I can be a perfectionist in that way. But I, I even notice, like, observe my thoughts during the runs, and I'm not even focusing on miles. I'm not focusing on time, and I find myself like complimenting myself during it. Um, and it's it's just such a different feeling. So I think people are sometimes afraid to do something similar that they've done before that was once for a different reason. Yeah. And what I keep saying to myself too is, I'm like, I'm different. That that's the biggest key. Mm-hmm. You never go backwards. So you're never going to fall back into old habits. You can choose to replicate. Mm. That's a choice that you're making, sometimes not consciously, but you're never going backwards. And so no matter what, like you are a different person or Mm. a new person today than you were even yesterday. And so with whatever type of healing or work that you've already done, you can be sure that what's going to happen next will not be the same as what happened in the past. Even if it looks the same, it's not. And so you have a lot of power and choice about what that action looks like and how you relate to that action. And I think that it's actually really important to practice those things that used to scare you Mm -hmm. and make new memories with them, essentially. Yes, like make new associations with those things. I love that. And the reason why I'm talking about this so much, which I know I'm focusing on it a lot, but it's because I feel like we there is this narrative that like you have to choose one or the other, kind of like we said before. So to actually be able to exist in a place of not extremes and still being able to align with things that you've always wanted to be. Like I, I literally, I reassure Julia and she obviously has deep faith in me, but I'm like, Julia, I have literally not a fear in the world that I will ever be in a place where I was because I feel so secure and so mentally tough. And, um, yeah, I think it's just so fascinating because sometimes we feel like if we get knocked down, but you know, that that's that's that but you and your program and what you do really really shows that there is there is more than we can even imagine even what we imagine today for ourselves is likely far different oh totally we our potential is limitless and that's when you know self-love is like such a big part of this and it's not just about face masks and flowers it's about claiming your awesomeness and claiming that you are worthy and that your potential is literally unlimited Like I could just burst with this potential that I feel for, you know, everyone listening. And that's just so important to know that like your healing is so possible. And that's another misconception that like, oh, that's not possible for me. Like I'll never escape this. And I don't think anyone has to be 100% tied to any form of pain or separation or fear in this life. Yeah. I think it could be hard for people like uh, I burn a have, and I have seen this happen with people in our life to get, I don't, cause it's not my job to do it, but to get people to recognize that connection of like, if you're not taking care of your mental and your spiritual health, that like, there is no way that your body is going to like 
Yeah. I feel like I see a lot of people sacrificing their mental health, their spiritual health, their social health so much for this aesthetic goal. And like, what would you say? Like, how, I guess, like, how do you get people to start to see that what the real truth is like the stuff that you really believe in that I so deeply believe in like do you have clients that you really need to kind of like get them on the boat with you to like go sail down this journey not really honestly because it won't work like if you don't want it it won't work if you don't 100% believe it but like your soul is like being called to it and you're like I'm not 100% sure but I just like have some sort of inkling then like yes let's go and let's run with it Mm -hmm. but I totally resonate with this because there, you know, once you unlock something for yourself, a lot of people just want to share it with the world and share it with your family and friends and boyfriends and girlfriends and parents. And you cannot make people do what they don't want to do. And so what I've learned is that all you can do is just be the brightest light and expander for those people and lead by example. So I always use my boyfriend as an example because we are very different in like our, we used to be in our wellness practice like he used to not eat any fruits or vegetables like it's insane oh my god and so of course that like really concerned me but I wasn't gonna force him and I knew that there was so much that he could do for his health and well-being that was accessible and so of course just by being with me who's someone who's like uber into wellness he just saw and he learned and he saw oh like and then he would ask Sloan like so I I recognize that like you're way better at dealing with anxiety than I am like how do you do that and I'm like okay now that you've asked the question This is what you can do because like he and other, so many of my friends see the example that I lead. And so if there's anything in life that you feel like you've unlocked or learned and you want to share with people, but they're not a hundred percent open to it yet, just keep being a badass and like doing what you're doing and keep shining your light. And then they're going to notice and say, oh, I want what she has. And then they may ask, which is great. Or they just start like copying you and, you know, embodying those practices so it really it's best when it comes from like their own volition yeah so just shine your light and like do what you're doing and trust that people feel it maybe subconsciously at first and when they're ready they'll start adopting it too but you can't change people and you can't force them which can be so frustrating Mm -hmm. so hard no i i that was like incredible advice because i really like Yes. We've noticed it too. Even when it comes to vulnerability, Ju, like we've noticed that us as opposed to being like, hey guys, let's all be vulnerable. <laughs> like just by starting, doesn't it doesn't work. <laughs> um, by just, you know, sharing ourselves. I'm like, damn, like our friendships have gotten so much deeper because we've, we've, I guess, led the way. Yes. And I totally understand where Julia was going with that question. And that was such a powerful answer. I didn't even expect. And kind of going off of that one, if there is, since you focus on food freedom, but then also are cool with the aesthetic goal piece. What if they're for someone who is struggling and is obsessing over the aesthetic goal piece and is in a place where they would rather, kind of like Julia said, sacrifice their mental health than sacrifice existing in a smaller body that they're really working 
overworking themselves for. How would you, how would you approach that? Or like if, if there is a friend or something like that, that someone has, how do you approach a conversation like that? It is so hard. I will just start by saying that it's really hard. And I think a potential good beginning place for someone to think about whether you're, it's someone like me and I'm posting something that's food for thought, or it's a friend, just kind of getting a sense of their priorities. Like, okay, what are you sacrificing? And is it worth it? Because the things that you're sacrificing for the smaller body are like moments and experiences and relationships that, you know, those, those are times that you can't get back when you were at a birthday party, but you didn't celebrate and enjoy the cake because you couldn't stop thinking about trying to calculate the number of calories or macros or wait, what did I eat yesterday and playing food Tetris and does that fit? Does this cake fit today? And then all of a sudden the birthday party is over and like you haven't lived in the moment. Mm -hmm. And so thinking about that, also if you're a young woman and you have not had children yet, thinking about your potential that you're doing to your body, I've found can really snap people out of it, Mm -hmm. that you can be harming your hormonal health and potentially putting yourself at risk to not be able to carry a child. If that's important to you, then a lot of times that gets it through. So it's really about like zooming out and trying to understand, okay, like I I validate and recognize like this is important to you right now and that's okay and your feelings are valid that you feel like this is important. If it's important to you, then cool, it's important to you. But think about what else is important and how are you going to weigh those against one another? And then hopefully the loving side will come through that says, okay, these other things actually do matter more. Yeah. Wow. That's really powerful. It's hard. It's it's so hard. <laughs> that was a good way to start it. Yeah. And I mean, we're just, we're fed so much, you know, especially with like social media and stuff. It's so hard to, to get deep with yourself like that, yeah. which is really where like the spiritual piece comes in as well. Cause when you could start taking that component in and then you can start asking yourself those, the deep questions of like, what is really bringing me happiness and peace and joy and so I, I, I think it's so important that you combine the two. I just love it. Since we're coming up on holidays and we're in the midst of the holiday season, I know it can be a really stressful time for people surrounding food and body, especially I know me and Brenna have been talking about like protecting your energy from people that, you know, make comments about the way you're eating or what you choose to eat or not eat. So like how can people go into this season, you know, feeling strong and, fe- and feeling like they're protecting their energy and setting the proper boundaries that they need to set with like maybe like family members Mm -hmm. commenting on their body too much or oh yes give us the tips Okay. Boundaries is a part of every single one of my programs because it is so, so important. Mm -hmm. And the first thing to know is that you deserve to set boundaries. No matter what, if they feel protective to you, you deserve them. And end of story, end of question. Yes. So that's where we start. But there are three types of boundaries I like to talk about. So one is physical, which is like actually distancing yourself or unfollowing those accounts, not going to something or surrounding yourself with people. Those are physical. Then there are spoken boundaries. Boundaries. So this is like boundaries that you communicate with others and you kind of lay down the law. Um, I have a script for that in all of my programs about how to do that. And then there's energetic boundaries, which are boundaries that you might not tell people about. You, you know, consciously, other people might not know that they're there. But when you set these energetic boundaries well, subconsciously, people pick up on it because even though we can't see energy, it is there, right? We can't see microwaves, but we know that it heats the food and we don't, we don't question that. Yeah. Can you give an example of one of 
like an an energetic boundary? Yes, yes. So about the comments, like commenting on your body. I think that that's something that you might need all three. It kind of depends. So let's say that it is a mother that's commenting on your body because I hear that all the time and I've experienced that. So first, you would perhaps start with the spoken boundary and you would explain the situation and you would ask for this boundary to be set um, in a way that the mother is going to understand or that you know this could be for anyone but we'll just take this as an example and you say you know like thank you so much for your care and thank you for your love because I know this comes from love however when I hear comments about my body it makes me feel xyz so in order to just have the best relationship and for me to be like really feel good in this journey this is what I expect and you lay down the law with strength love how After this first conversation, it might not solidify the boundary 100%, which is why you kind of have to keep coming back to it sometimes, which is fine. But you can also do the energy work on your own. And so first is about really getting clear on like what you expect. Like what is this boundary? How do you expect people to talk about your body or to not talk about your body? Like what compliments do you expect? And you kind of have to really lay down the law and just decide that this is how it's going to go. And when you decide that and when you make it a law for your life, the universe will help you as it does with any other law. Like, you know, some of the laws that I have for my life that the universe literally always shows up for me no matter what. Like I don't even question it. And so it does. And that's not true for any everyone necessarily, but because I've established that as a law, it happens. And yeah. so similar with these boundaries, when you decide people do not comment on my weight, they won't. You also have to honor your own boundary. And so you then cannot comment on your own weight in your head or to other people. That is such an important piece. And a tricky one. (laughs) (laughs) Completely. And all of this takes practice. And so you set the boundary, you honor it yourself. And then I also like doing meditations around boundary setting and just kind of like envisioning a protective bubble around you or white light energy around you. Um, I do this quite often when I'm like going to events, going to be in a difficult situation or just as a part of my morning routine. If I feel like I need some sort of like protection or just solidifying my center. So that's how you can start to do like the energetic boundaries. It's about like getting clear on what it is, setting it clearly, and then beginning to really honor and respect it yourself because what, you know, that's you leading as an example for the other people in your life and you're kind of, you know, phoning in your order for the universe, but you can't just you got to walk the walk. You can't just talk the talk. You got to do both. And then that's the vibration that you're putting out. And so that's a vibration that you'll get back. Oh, wow. I love it. That was so so powerful. My goodness. And I can only imagine how people go from like the very first phases all the way to this like beautiful, connected, empowered Mm -hmm. place. Because I think kind of like how you started a few questions ago with um, like the social media and the beliefs and all that stuff. I think there really is a point where we really do believe like, oh, every everybody's solely fixating on my body as an example or whatever. And then as you get to actually shift your beliefs, learn that other people have different beliefs. 
beliefs. Um, and then just like you said, the practice piece and continuing to show up even when it's hard, even when we waver in our own self-belief that eventually it, it does stick and, and like become a more like a natural uh, yeah. reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Just like any other practice. Yeah. Yeah. And patience can be the hardest part of it for sure. (laughs) But it's, it's really just important to kind of go into it, go into any new practice with the intentions of patience. Can you tell us a little bit about the body love blueprint? Yes. So I have two programs that are like online and available. So the body love blueprint is the newest one. And that is kind of an on to the Food Freedom Collective. So I started with FFC. That's like Food Freedom, Eating with Love and Intuition 101. And then Body Love Blueprint is kind of like the sister to that and the Mm -hmm. compliment. And so it's really the body confidence and body love piece. And so the, the process that I like to teach goes from acceptance to trust, to love. And that's another misconception that you have to love every single part of your body and you have to love it instantly. Mm. And that's not true and that's not realistic. Yeah. And so the first piece is accepting and just kind of like being for a second. Just like, all right, let's chill. Let's take inventory. And it's about kind of being in this space of neutrality, just accepting things for what they are, accepting your body for what it is without the labels and without the good or bad. So let's say that you have cellulite. Who decided cellulite was bad? What is it actually? It is actually just the way that fat lays on your body, especially if you're a woman, because that's how the human body was made, right? So it is just cellulite. It's just these cells. That's like accepting it for what it is. And then as soon as you say, oh, it's bad or it's good or it's ugly or it's beautiful, then you're like adding all the other stuff to it. But we want to just start with the baseline of what it is and come to acceptance. And then it's about trusting, trusting that your body is where it's meant to be, really gaining confidence that you can trust your body to tell you when it's hungry, how it likes to move, trusting that it can be flexible and adaptable. And then that's where you move into love. And love doesn't have to mean that you think every part of you is beautiful. Like the vibration and energy of love encapsulates all of that. It's acceptance, it's trust, it's confidence, it's It's just like respecting and honoring. And so even when you kind of like reach that level, you can still have parts of your body that you're not like obsessed with, but at least you accept it and you're neutral about it. So you don't have to love every single part of you Um, and note that your body will change forever. And that's the only constant. The only constant is change. Mm -hmm. So while I think it is important to feel confident in this physical body, it's also about just like being confident in yourself and loving yourself internally as well as externally. Because again, it's okay to have aesthetic goals. It's okay to like fashion and to like makeup and to do your hair. But are you doing your makeup to cover up or to accentuate what you love? I love that. That that hit both of us. (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, we talk all the time. It's about why you're doing something, you know. It's so important. And I just love those steps. And thank you for laying it out because I think it's so important 
important because like we were talking before with the two extremes of like diet culture or this like complete freedom body love stuff like sometimes it's it's alienating to hear just love yourself just love your body and like that could be alienating for some people so understanding what that what does love really mean and then how are you gonna build you know the stairway to get there and Mm -hmm. going on the journey I think is so important so I'm really glad you laid that out because I think it's so important love that you said the change piece too Sloan that you I think that's where we like get into a little rut sometimes is the expectation piece we set these expectations that we're only supposed to be a certain way or that if we finally get to this finish line with our health and wellness that we'll we'll be there forever right Mm -hmm. but I think changing the expectation to being that it will change and then we're less shaken by stuff like that you know because we know what's going to happen totally I mean you look different when you wake up versus when you go to sleep so true and if you have if you have female hormones you look different and feel different during different parts of the month like Mm -hmm. that is just it frustrates me so much um that we are expected to perform and look and feel and behave the same way throughout the month like look at the moon she looks totally different throughout the month and so should we we are we are moons um it, it affects us in that way And so, I mean, that's one reason out of so many that I'm so grateful to be my own boss because I can like actually get into cycle syncing and like scheduling things based on my period. And I think that that's just like a whole nother level to get to. But I think, I mean, everyone can do it, you know, even if you're in like a corporate job or you're in school, but it it can be hard and the system just like isn't as flexible as I think we need it yet. I agree. Oh my God, Sloan, we could talk to you literally forever like there's so likewise so into here like I'm just loving everything but you know we've taken enough of your time so we just have a couple last questions for you uh but seriously like this has been so eye-opening and wonderful and I I'm so grateful for your knowledge and for you sharing it with us because this has been so awesome mm-hmm. so just a couple things about you before we let you go yeah. um do you have any daily practices rituals or routines so many <laughs> Tell us details. Okay. So I actually just this week started mixing up my morning routine a little bit because it's always flexible and changing. Um, I really need eight hours of sleep. So um, I have started to set my alarm at different times depending on when I go to sleep. So I try to get eight hours um, and then I will like read a little bit in bed. I always have, I have a novel at night and then like a self-development in the morning. So I try to read and then I do like my morning face care and brush my teeth, go to the bathroom. And then I like to do a little stretch and all of these activities I'm about to describe take like 30 seconds to a few minutes. So it seems like a lot, but it's not. Um, And you can mix and match. So I do a little stretch and then I meditate. Sometimes it's a few minutes. Sometimes I do a longer one and I do that on my meditation cushion. And then I journal. I kind of have like a similar journaling practice I go through every day. And then I usually take a few moments to visualize either like a big goal that I'm going for or something that I want to happen in the day or the week. Sometimes I'll pull an affirmation card from a couple of my decks and then I will make breakfast, which is usually a smoothie. I am obsessed with smoothies and I have a free 
smoothie ebook on my website um, because I make so many. So my morning routine is super sacred and that's kind of like the thing that's most like stable because my days of the week are always different, just like client calls and podcast recordings and working on the business. So middle of the day, who knows? Um, And then in the evening, you know, my routine always involves usually dessert and herbal tea. I'm really into tea. And then I try to like change the lighting to reflect more like calm light. So I have like a salt lamp that I turn on and I have string lights that I turn on. Um, So I just try to like signal to my body that it's time to wind down. And I always read. I'm honestly not that into TV. I just never have been. I love reality TV, but I'm not that hooked onto series. So I'll usually try to read whatever book I'm on. And so it's really those end caps that are the most consistent and have my rituals. Love them. I love that as well. Um, it's so it's so interesting. I feel like we keep coming across more and more people that have a morning routine. And I definitely feel like we were once, I guess we had routine, like r- some sort of routine, but now they're a little bit more curated into things that actually make us feel good and set our day up in a way that feels aligned and in a way that will really, like I genuinely now feel like if I don't do my morning routine, I just like feel off. It's not yeah. a guilt for not doing it, but I I just, I don't feel as grounded, I guess. But anyways, what is something that your audience, your clients, people that you connect with uh, don't know about you? If there's something. This is always the hard one. I know. This is always like one that stumps people. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, I do share a lot. I don't share everything because that's a boundary for me. I'm trying to think what I haven't shared though. It's, it's hard when you're a vulnerable yeah. person. <laughs> I know. People, people are like, they're hilarious. They're like, I have never shaved the top half of my legs. Like, Um, okay, this is kind of weird. And I used to be a really picky eater when I was little, which gives me faith because I always like worry about my future children. And like, I don't want to force them to like eat really well. But I'm also like, I don't want to give you chicken nuggets every day. Anyway, like I used to be really picky and like for a while. And so I was like, I need to expand my palate. And so I trained myself to like a, like most of the foods that I eat now on a daily basis, but not in a forceful way, just in like a girl, you got to expand yourself. And so I know that like I trained myself to like bananas, like senior year of high school. That's hilarious. In the best way. Right. And I knew I just like – literally had this intuitive hit so random that like I was gonna need to like bananas in college and that's true because it was like the easiest snack that didn't have to be refrigerated that I could keep in my backpack for like a couple days wait that is so funny I love this I used to hate tea it tasted like tree water to me I was like this is just like plant water but now I drink tea every day um, so bananas and tea I used to like really dislike and now I eat them every single day That is so funny. I did the same thing with ginger in college. I never liked ginger. And I just knew that like ginger was going to be something that was going to make me feel really good. Like, I don't know why I had this idea in my head, but I was like, I'm going to feel amazing if I start eating ginger. (laughs) And so I I literally trained myself to like it. This was not from anyone saying that I needed to eat it or like social media telling me like, I It was your intuition. You just just like knew. I needed ginger in my life. just ate it off of her sushi tray every time. now I like, I crave it so much all the time. So, I love ginger. That's hilarious. I literally love ginger. Like anything ginger, please. And I used to hate it. 
No. I think, Julia, you're, like, part of expanding my palate. I feel like you you have, have helped train me. Oh, yeah. Well, like, going back to, like, the food being sacred, like, we could do this whole other thing, but, like, anybody that knows me knows that I, like, love food. Like, I have su- – like, food to me is love. Like, if yeah. you, you want to ask me my love language, like, it's <laughs> And, like, we could get all into that, but that's, like, a whole other show. So – Anyway, has there been any resource in your life that has helped guide you through your 20s thus far? It could be a book, a podcast, a person. Mm, Yeah, I would say like Gabby Bernstein's books Mm -hmm. were my first introduction to spirituality. I remember being like intrigued by self-help books when I was younger, like in high school, but I was kind of ashamed. I was like, if I like self-help books, that means that I need help. And then when I was that way too. Okay, yeah. And then once I got to college, I was like, nobody has to see that this is in my room and like I have my own money and like whatever. And I was like, holy shit, like, yes. And so I would say like that, like her book, The Universe Has Your Back was the first one that I read. And that's like a mantra that will be with me forever. So books are like really quite big for me. Sometimes podcasts get a little bit overwhelming when I'm like, oh my God, there's so much to learn. So books, I'm like, I can go slower with it really dive in so and Gabby Bernstein would be a a good one to go to for like 101 introduction yes incredible oh we we can't say enough we have absolutely loved having you on the show so our last question for you is where can people find you so if they want to at least either check out your stuff or if they want to work with you whatever you want to share yes well thank you so much for having me this has been the most fun um so okay mostly hang out on Instagram it's at Sloan Elizabeth. E, the E's are back to back. So I have two E's. And then my website is sloan-elizabeth.com. And that's where you can get like, I have a lot of free guides. Um, and I also have my programs listed there. But I would just recommend booking like a complimentary 30 minute call, which is on my website. And it's on my Instagram just to kind of like see if it would even be a good fit. So that is always available. And yeah, those are the two main places. If you're in college and you're interested in my book, it is mainly for students. Um, It's on Amazon. It's called Kale and Cravings with a K. And it's like dorm room recipes and just like little nuggets of wellness for students. Oh my God. Love it. Yes. Everyone go check out Sloan. Sloan, this has been so awesome. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us. This was this was amazing. Incredible. Yes, We're going to be talking you. about it for a while. <laughs> yeah. Likewise. Bye, Bye, Bye. Thanks for listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe. You're never alone. Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Roaring Twenties Podcast. You get to start your week with us and end your week with us. With, with love, Brenda and Julia. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.